Activist Radio is on the air. You've tuned into the Mark Harrington Show. Sponsored by Created Equal. Time is running out for our nation. I beg of you, you need to stand against the evil that's plaguing our nation. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. Like, you kill a baby fetus, the same thing as killing any old inanimate object. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders. people it's your movement now it's not your parents anymore the blood that is shed cries out to god from the ground for justice and now here's mark well hello friends mark harrington here coming to you from our created equal studios here in columbus ohio and this is our first program after the election uh, we're going to do a post-mortem, if you will, on on the election, at least as much as we know at this point, which, of course, a lot of it's still up in the air because they're still counting votes. Lots of lawsuits happening. The Trump campaign is 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 uh, disputing the election. We know all of that. But we're going to try to, as best we can, come away with a few takeaways, some lessons learned here for us. That is us in the pro-life movement, conservatives, Christians all of the above, and uh, come up with some uh, marching orders, if you will, for the next four years at least. So uh, I have as my guest today, my friend and good, uh, my colleague here, Seth Dreher, the vice president of Created Equal. Seth, thanks for being on the show. It's always a pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Well, we've had a lot of time to digest what happened on uh, Tuesday, November 3rd. It's been about a week and a half now. What I'd like to do is knock off a few of the obvious things, and then we'll get into the five, what we think are the five takeaways from the 2020 election. And uh, those are ones that you and I kind of uh, compiled together. Obviously, there's a bunch of them. Uh, There are more than five, but these are the big ones. These are the big ones. But before we get to the big ones, let's knock off a few of the smaller ones, the obvious ones. Uh, and, And again, listen. I don't want people to get all upset and say, well, you know, Trump hasn't lost. Biden hasn't won yet. I I get all that. But in the midst of all this, there's some things we can all agree on, basically, at this point, whether Trump ends up winning or Biden wins. You know, they're all the basic stuff. So the first thing is this mail in voting killed Donald Trump. I mean, that's really hurt him bad. On Election Day and early voting in person, Trump came out. His people came out. Seventy two million people voted for Donald Trump. That's 10 million more than in 2016. Massive numbers. And he would be the president elect today if it weren't for mail in voting. I think we can all agree on that. He would be the president elect today if there weren't covid because covid led to the Democrats changing the rules in some of these states, allowing for mail-in voting. And with mail-in voting, you know, they just mass-mailed these out. People sent them in. And so that affected the election. Uh, there's more than that, but I think COVID was a big issue. A lot of people felt like because of the fake news that, that Donald Trump didn't handle COVID right. I think he did as all as he could. In, fa- in fact, Biden's basically saying he's going to do virtually the same thing. His messaging wasn't the best, for sure. But that's one we can all agree on, I, I think. 
Uh, what do you have any others like just real quick ones right off the top about the election? And then we'll get to the five big ones. Well, no, I think you really hit it on the head there. I mean, these issues really changed the election. January of this year, we were all looking at basically a blowout landslide victory for Trump. We don't yep. know that for sure, but it looked like that. Right. 2020 changed everything. And people who are in seats of power know how to use um, crises to their advantage. And they did. Right. Rahm Emanuel, who said, never let a crisis go to waste. So the Democrats got to hand it to them. They seized upon the COVID crisis to really take the election. Uh, And, of course, we don't know how much fraud has happened and all that. But the bottom line is all the mail-in voting is unprecedented. And that was because of of COVID. So let's do this. We want to go through the five top takeaways that you and I have as regards the, the election. And here they are. I'll I'll list them all and then we'll go back through each one. The first is this. We are a sharply divided nation, number one. Number two, the president of the United States matters. Who sits in the White House Mm -hmm. matters. Uh, Number three, statism indicates misplaced faith. And and I think that's a deep thought. We're going to get into that one a little bit. And number four, the crackdown on conservative voices by big tech is now officially, it has occurred officially. I mean, I think we're, they're out of the closet. Uh, and number five, no president is a proxy for changing culture. We can't put all our eggs in the president of the United States. All right, so let's go through each one of these. Seth and I kind of compiled these together. Um, so let's start with number one, and I'll ask you this. We are a sharply divided nation. Uh, the mixed bag of a successful Louisiana amendment, we can talk about that, and a failed Colorado abortion ban demonstrates sharply uh, that our nation is divided. Also, more people voted for the Louisiana amendment than voted for Trump, which is a sign that there still remain some pro-life Democrats left. So let's deal with that one. We're a sharply divided nation, and these two abortion-related things that were on yeah. the ballot. Tell us something about the culture. Well, starting backwards at the end there, what you listed I think is super interesting um, because we had, you know, the primary, uh, Pete Buttigieg and um, Bernie Sanders were saying that if you're pro-life, there's no place for you in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. So it is very interesting that in Louisiana where they did pass this amendment, the amendment essentially says if Roe v. Wade is overturned, there is our state constitution has no protection for abortion in it. You can't c- construe our constitution to say abortion is legal in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. If it's overturned, they're putting a trigger clause kind of in there into their That's constitution okay. yeah. to protect against abortion being legalized there. But yeah, there were more people voting for that amendment, that anti-abortion amendment, than voted for Trump, which indicates that maybe there were just. Republicans who didn't want to vote for Trump who voted for the amendment, but maybe also some Democrats voted for Biden and voted for the amendment. That's a sign that maybe there are still pro-life segments in the Democratic Party. That's interesting. But it also, it's Louisiana, so it's very right. conservative. You yeah. got pros, you know, the Democrats are probably conservative there. Uh, you know, I, you and I know about, you know, there's the, uh, I don't even know what to call it, Democrats for Life. Right. And, you know, I, every once in a while I think, you know, is this really w- worth it? I mean, the party's done <laughs> as far as a national party, exactly. really. They, they basically, if you're not pro-abortion, you get no funding. The machinery of the Democrat Party is going to fight against you. And I often think those people who support or are part of pro-life de- uh, Democrats for life ought to just throw in the towel and jump in with the Republican Party. Uh, this indicates that maybe that's a worth, you know, that's a fight worth having. 
Yeah, maybe so. I mean, again, I think, as we're talking about in a moment, the president matters, who's in power in Congress matters because how the caucuses are working, it really does matter. So, but if we can convince those average citizens who are voting who do align with the Democratic Party to vote for pro-life measures, and then we can show them that one party is better advancing their case, maybe there's hope. As right. you said. And so we also had uh, not only the Louisiana amendment that, that did pass, the Colorado amendment went down in flames. Uh, and that was an amendment to ban abortion. What was it? 22, 22 weeks. So okay. we're talking about a late. We're not talking about. So Louisiana was essentially saying no abortion overall. But this was a 22. If Roe were reversed. If Roe is overturned. Right. Yes. This would be a 22 week ban under current law. And both, interestingly, both measures passed or failed at the same rate. Colorado was about 60-40 split. Same in Louisiana, about 60-40 split. But in Colorado, you could not mm-hmm. ban killing a 22-week baby. We're talking not six weeks. 22 weeks where babies undoubtedly feel pain. Babies are large. Babies hear their mother's voices. All these things are going on. And yet they wanted to keep it legal to kill that baby at 22 weeks. That tells us something. Of course, now Colorado is a blue state, a very blue state. So you got to take that into account. But it's pretty, um, pretty indicative of where we are as a country that uh, we won't ban 22 weeks a week abortions if it's put on the ballot. Those who say, yeah, if we just put Roe on the ballot that we're going to outlaw abortion. I don't think it's the case. You're going to have this patchwork, of course, across the country of pro-life and pro-abortion states. So uh, that's number one. We are a sharply divided nation. And those two initiatives, I think, indicate uh, that we uh, there's some good things. Obviously, some Democrats are still pro-life, but there's also bad indications that uh, we can't even ban a 22 week, uh, 22 week abortions. Uh, Interesting enough, I I don't want to get off on this too much, but we flew our tow banners in um, Colorado, in Denver for two days um, as part of, you know, our vote to anti-abortion campaign, which is aimed primarily at the national uh, election, which is the presidential election. I had one of the leaders of the uh, this amendment process in Colorado call me and tell me not to fly the banners. Mm -hmm. They told me that it was counterproductive. (laughs) So I had this very uncomfortable conversation with them as to why it is productive and why we can't be parochial. That is that abortion isn't just a Colorado problem. It's a national problem. It, it's a global problem. And we need to think beyond our own borders uh, and, and think beyond that. In fact, that the idea that, you know, they had some kind of right to tell me I couldn't come into their city and actually campaign for pro-life national uh, positions was very, very unusual. But anyway, that's that's off the beaten track. All right. Number two. So number one, we're a divided nation. Those two initiatives show us that. Number two, the uh, president of the United States does matter. And we saw this right before the election where you heard this, you know, pro-life evangelicals for Biden and and evangelicals jumping on board with Biden's campaign and stuff like that, saying it's okay, it's 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 biblical, it's it's permissible to vote for a pro-abortion candidate like Joe Biden. and then people basically saying some of them saying that, uh, you know, it's OK not to vote at all. You know, don't vote for Trump or Biden and that there's enough you know, Christian liberty to do so. But the idea here is this, that some Christians argued prior to the election that the, the president of the United States view on abortion doesn't matter um, because he has little influence over it. Joe Biden has already announced his plan, if inaugurated, 
Make mm-hmm. sure that I give you that caveat so they don't yell at me. <laughs> if inaugurated, to review, uh, re- reverse the Mexico City policy, among other things, which would restore funding to Planned Parenthood. We already see it, the ramifications of a Biden pres- presidency. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, in my circles, which are maybe similar to yours, but I saw not only that what you were saying with national leaders talking about the president might not matter, but individuals I know who are believers saying, yeah, OK, I get abortions an issue, but the president's role is very small in it. And that's just it's not true. It's not simply not true. And no. Biden is going to return us to flowing more cash to Planned Parenthood, to putting people in places of power who are ardently pro-abortion. He's already committed to this, as you said, if inaugurated. And I think this is a real wake up call to people who said, you know, there are many issues. Abortion's one side, one that's really presence rules very small. They're going to see that's not true. And I think it's very important we recognize that election, every election matters. Who is even getting to small office to high offices? If they're pro-abortion, they will have influence that is dangerous. Well, the other thing is just even now, Mr. Producer, if you would throw up that article about Zeke Emanuel, uh, Ezekiel Emanuel, which is the uh, one of the architects of Obamacare back in the days of the Biden Obamacare or Obama presidency is already indicating that, you know, there's going to be massive changes. And he is on the corona, uh, coronavirus task force for Biden. And he's talking about all these changes that are going to be happening. Uh, he, for one, said that he doesn't want to live past 75. He was the one that they, we complained about saying there's going to be death panels in Obamacare. Uh, Dr. Zeke uh, Emanuel is involved in the coronavirus task force for Biden. Troubling. Very troubling. Pro-abortion, radical pro-abortion advocate. And he may actually end up being the HHS uh, secretary, which would be even worse, mm-hmm. honestly, because that controls so many things. So elections have consequences. The president matters. Uh, and I'm 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 afraid some people are going to have some uh, buyer's remorse here real soon. Mm-hmm. And I hope they do. They should. Honestly, they, should. they really should. So that's number two, uh, that the president of the United States does matter. We're already seeing indications if Biden's inaugurated that he's going to re- uh, Biden's going to reverse all of uh, President Trump's pro-life initiatives. Number three, statism indicates a misplaced faith. Yeah. Now, we all saw the celebrations. I obviously I turned off the TV. I can't take it anymore. But uh, the, the celebrations across the country uh, that, you know, when President elect Biden was announced, uh, which, of course, again, is not certain. Uh, all these all these celebrations. And for the statist, the state is the highest authority to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they look to. Uh, and the ultimate goal of a state is, is getting their guy in power, which they got Biden in. That's why they celebrated so uh, like they did. And it's also why they were so devastated when Trump won in 2016. We all remember all the crying and the wailing and gnashing of teeth that happened then. But Christians are different because we appeal to a higher power. We Absolutely. look at it differently, a higher authority. But I think that's a really important insight as to why it is that before the election, cities were boarding up, getting ready for riots. Now, those weren't going to be riots led by Christians, conservatives, pro-lifers and Trump supporters. They were going to be led by Biden voters and everybody knows it. And why is that? Yeah, exactly. Um, And this is, yes, it's just interesting because now that the Trump supporters have not gotten what they wanted. There has not been rioting. Again, 
what they're, what we're calling for is um, investigations into fraud, finding the right. truth. And now we're told, well, you're trying to undermine the electoral process by asking for investigations of what really happened. Which is their constitutional right to do so. There's a, right. a process. And that's actually undergirding supporting the republic to make sure that fraud is uprooted where it happens. Right. But yeah. What we see here is this this terrified frenzy that people are going to revolt if they don't get their guy in power. Then they get him in power, supposedly, and they're in the streets. My neighbor came home and said they were a part of Columbus that is very liberal, and they were screaming, it's President's Day, this new national holiday, and dancing in the streets. And <laughs> yeah. it just shows that they think that once they have their guy in power, they have achieved the ultimate good because that is how they're going to achieve their social agenda. Whereas Christians recognize, as you said, we have a higher power. So, yes, we feel the weight of loss when our guy loses because we know babies will continue to be killed. Right. We know that Christians will be persecuted. We know that many bad things will happen. But we do recognize that all is not lost. It is not the end because God is not off the throne somehow because Biden might be on the American throne. It is not the end. It's not the end. And I've been around long enough and you have as well, Seth, to remember the Obama years. So it's not like we haven't been out of power before. Right. There's a lot of people that have just been new to this that think Donald Trump is like the norm and having a president in the White House like him is the norm. It's not. Right. We're used to being in the opposition, frankly. I mean, I've been at this for a very long time. I've lived through Clinton's years, eight years of Clinton, eight years of Obama. Uh, listen, we're going to survive. And it's not because, you know, we, we put our hope in princes. We don't. It's because we put our hope in Jesus Christ, because he is our ultimate authority. And we understand that he's sovereign. You know, I don't want to throw that. That's not some catchphrase that we just throw out randomly. We actually believe it. Mm -hmm. We act yes. like it. Mm -hmm. For sure. So we don't friend. We're not frenzied. We're not. I mean, I was bummed out and yes. I still am. I hope that well, things change. Or, no, I'm not. Calling you know, I, I went to work the next day, right. <laughs> you know. All right. So that's number three. Number four is this. The crackdown on conservative voices by big tech has now officially occurred. I don't think there's any question. And and I've been warning for a very long time, along with others, that it's past time that we, re we reconsider our dependence on social media to change uh, public opinion in America and, and educate Americans. Uh, it just is. And it took this election to, to really bring that to the forefront. Uh, it, it all started with the Hunter Biden scandal story mm -hmm. where the Twitter and, and all of mainstream media and most most big tech just put a kibosh on it. They wouldn't even talk about it. Here we have a, a, a presidential election, a major scandal breaks from a from a very notable, credible source, the New York Post, which is the second oldest uh, newspaper in America. And yet they didn't report on it. That should have told us something. More than and that, they censored. If you they censored it. The link, you yeah. Would. And so now President Trump, even before the election, they're censoring every one of his tweets. Yeah. And so and, and since the election, the crackdown has even even been tougher mm -hmm. on um, pro-life conservatives like ourselves. So I don't know what the answer is here. I'm not going to say it, but I don't think it's moving to parlor. I mean, I, I'm, I'm OK with that. I think we should. Uh, but if we're going to put all our eggs in the social media basket, we're going to be very, very disappointed. And we can't do that. And people have spent millions, hundreds of millions of dollars building these gigantic uh, social media presences, which is fine. But now we're left with them controlling that medium. Mm -hmm. Right. And you just log today. I logged on. It's like. They've become not only censoring, but they are the new magisterium. They have That's a very good way of putting like, it. You've heard all this confusion about the election. Let us tell you what's true, what's happening. And they give you three bullet yeah. points. Politicheck, right? Or exactly. fact checking. It's That's dangerous <laughs> when we start allowing them to control our thinking because we're too busy to look at it or whatever, look into it.
and they're censoring the conservatives, like you said. So. Well, and that's why it's so important that uh, we do what we do here. We are an organization that raises up activists. These aren't activists, keyboard activists, although there's nothing right. wrong with being online. And it's important. That's a battleground that has to be contended for. But we are in a group that that believes in the public square. We raise up people to engage directly, old school, mm -hmm. where you're actually face to face with someone who disagrees with you on a college campus or high school campus or wherever. And we'll never get to deviate from from that. That is a core value of who we are. And it is the tried and true way to bring about social reform. Uh, before the days of social media, that's how it was done. Uh, it shouldn't change just because of that. We've right. tried to look to social media as an easy way to reach millions of people. And it is. But you have to wonder sometimes, first of all, are we just reaching the choir? And now we've seeded over that playing field to those who hate us. <laughs> who are evil, really. I mean, who are out to crush us. And we need to go back to the basics. That's why we never put a whole lot of emphasis yeah. in social I media. I think that's a good point, too. So, like, go to Parlor if you want to. Go to MeWe. doesn't matter. Sure. What you should do is lay your phone down, lay your laptop down, walk out of the street, hold a sign, and talk to someone about abortion. Exactly. That will have much more impact than a move to Parlor, which is a fine thing to do. It's I fine. Agree. But have some real world engagement. That's what we should all be doing. In and that's what we do here at Created Equal. I think we do it one of the best here in the pro-life movement. So that's number four. The crackdown on conservative voices by big tech has officially occurred. And we need to not uh, put our rose colored glasses on and think that they're going to be reformed. Congress isn't going to reform them. They are out to get us and put us down. If, if you didn't know that, now you do. Number five, that no president is a proxy for changing culture. And this mm -hmm. kind of parlays a little bit off of number four, and that is we can't put our eggs in the social media basket. We also can't put all our eggs in the POTUS basket. President of the United States is important, but he's not a replacement for real hardcore activism and education. That's exactly right. I think you told me before, you know, we talk about looking backward before Obama, even think about the Bush era where we had gains that we were making modest gains, right. but the culture was moving left underneath them. And so even That's if you right. were gaining politically, but the culture moves left, you are not succeeding because it's going to one day flip again. And so this is proof that if you do have your hope in princes, which we said we do not, if your hope is in princes, you have misplaced it. Right. You have to have your hope and faith in God alone. And therefore, being faithful to him means voting correctly and also engaging culture correctly to have long lasting change. Elections matter, but they're not all that matters. Exactly. And um, you got to have the long view. view. Yeah. I mean, we're in it for the long run. Uh, obviously, I loved President Trump's policies for the pro-life movement, and he's, we saved a lot of babies with him in office. And I know I'm talking like he's not going to be around because I just don't think he's probably going to be. But we also knew that we were one election away from returning to the opposition position. Uh, in some ways, I relish the loyal opposition. I relish the resistance because really, as you say, the arc of culture is heading in one direction. We are the resistance. We are the, resistance. We are the loyal opposition. Despite the fact that we had our guy in the, in the, in the White House, that was all good. And I think we took you know, some ground there. But the fact of the matter is we are the opposition and we always got to be thinking in terms of that. And I think that's what we do best. And our movement should be that type of movement. Yes. Well, you know, you and I talked about this the day after the election, well, a couple of days after we thought we had results. We still don't really know. But the team that we gathered together and talked about, 
Look at our heroes. These aren't people who were part of this <laughs> national movement where everyone was with them. They were people fighting against the tide of culture. Right. Now, our goal is to turn the culture and build a pro-life network. That's true. But we should not be surprised that today most people, like in Colorado, will vote in mass to keep killing 22-week babies. That's tragic. Right. But that should not surprise us. Exactly. And, and, and we need to look, look at things with our eyes wide open. And be realist. That doesn't mean we want to be negative and, you know, Johnny Raincloud always looking at all the bad stuff. But we need to evaluate things as they are, not as we wish things would be. And, uh, we, you know, we made some progress. We got uh, President Trump put three support Supreme Court justices yeah. on the on the U.S. Supreme Court, which is huge, gigantic step forward. Uh, but as you say, I mean, the, the time is now to get back to our basics, the things that we do best which is raising up the next generation. That's who we are here at Created Equal. That's who our movement should be about because we are at it for the long run. So we got about 30 seconds, Seth. If you would just summarize mission of Created Equal, give us some hope here as we head into this you know, transition period, the lame duck possibly with President Trump and, and the possibility of Joe Biden being the next president of the United States. We just have to remember that every one of us is compelled to do what we can in our sphere of influence to save babies. That means you have a sphere of network people you know that I don't know, Mark doesn't know, talk to them, change mm -hmm. their hearts and minds. Every one of us, even if Biden were elected for eight years, God forbid, Going forward, we can save babies every single day if we're willing to do what is uncomfortable, and that is create conversation, learn how to artfully defend the life of the babies. We can save them together. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil. plague in America, Call Created Equal at 614-269-7808. That's 614-269-7808. Or go online to createdequal.net. Createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.